Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. If anyone needs a, a, an outline of the, we have the English versions. I think we ran out of those when you were coming in. So if anybody needs an outline this morning, I want to introduce a, okay, we've got a few over here, Carrie. Um, I want to introduce a concept this morning that we're probably going to look at over the next couple of weeks. Um, anyone ever heard of the, the statement quantum faith before? My mother's been talking about this, and she finally got me over the edge. <laughs> so um, you may or may not know that um, I was trained as a, in nuclear energy, nuclear fission. Um, so quantum mechanics and quantum physics is something that's evolved over time. In fact, I was uh, reading this morning some stuff about quantum physics. And, you know, as God goes on, he, he always reveals things. The things that men are now discovering, men and women are discovering, he, he knew about in the beginning. <laughs> you know? And so there's a concept in faith. It's a fancy word, quantum faith. But there's a concept in faith that they're now discovering in the power of what the Word says already. And so we're going to break that down and try to simplify it over the next few weeks. But I want to, I want to start out with a, uh, there are really three general categories of people alive in the earth right now. You fit into one of these categories. You're either a Bible-believing, you have a Bible worldview. You, you, be, you believe biblically what the Word says. So you have a biblical worldview, you're a Bible-believer, so therefore, you're in that category of we believe the Word is the Word. It's true that God was the creator of all things. Um, he was in the beginning. He's the Alpha and He's the Omega. In the beginning, the first verse, in the beginning, God. All right? So if you're not in that category, we really need to pray with you before you leave this place. Okay? Don't leave here because you don't know when this thing is over. Uh, Peter said in his last book before he was martyred, the end of all things is at hand. Now, that was two days ago in God's calendar, 2,000 years ago in ours, right? Day is 1,000 years. Okay, first category. So you're a Bible-believing person. You have a biblical worldview. You read the Scripture, says, that's what it is, that's what I believe, and that's how it's going to end. Second category are the humanistic believers. They believe in humanism, that it's man-centered. Man is at the center. They have these categories of belief on evolution, and uh, Darwinism, you know, the, 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 the bang theory of mud turned into some amoeba that, you know, first you had to borrow God's lightning to strike it. You had to borrow God's mud to make it happen. But, hey, they, they, they became fools, ever learning but never becoming able to understand the knowledge of, knowledge of the truth. So humanism is man-centered, and it's, um, there's a humanistic worldview. So they're not... Um, they're not bad people necessarily. They're just foolish. They're not wise. Biblically minded folks, it says, to not believe God, you become a fool. And so that's what Scripture says. So you're wise if you're a Bible-believing believer. If you're a humanist, you're just foolish. The third category is evil. There are evil people in the earth. In fact, we're going to look at a scripture in Romans chapter 1, which we studied the whole book of Romans. Alicia and Daniel Christian did an amazing teaching and study on that for weeks. I want to look at Romans chapter 1 deals with all three categories of these people in the earth. 
So we, we see in the, if you've never, if you don't believe in evil, when I was, uh, before I was born again, I got saved at, I think it was 23 or 24, 1975, I got saved. And, and so I was, uh, uh, a long time ago, uh, Moby Dick was a minnow, mom. <laughs> anyway, long time ago, um, before I got saved, as trained in nuclear engineering, nuclear science and all that, science had become my God. My parents, my mom did a good job of trying to introduce us, but it didn't stick. It didn't take with me until things happened in my life and I became a born-again believer. But I used to believe, look, this whole thing about Satan, you, you can't be serious. That's just Hollywood selling movies. There was one that came out in the old days is The Exorcist, right? I think, man, that's just like, that thing, it, it annoyed me. But it was like, you don't really believe that. It's just selling movies. Well, if you don't believe that Satan exists, come with me on a mission trip. Or sign up for prayer ministry, get trained, and sit with us in prayer ministry. Because what we used to see overseas, we're now seeing here. And when you, and there are those that are here that can raise their hand and say, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> and so there's evil in the earth, and there's a category of people that have been given over. It says in Romans chapter 1, they're, they have been given over to a reprobate mind, a non-regenerative mind. They are completely lost. They cannot be redeemed. Now, you might say, well, God can redeem anything. He can, but there's a place where God says, I give up on them. And you can't come to God unless he draws you. And so let's, uh, to put some truth around this, let's read the word. So turn with me to Romans chapter 1. I'm just going to introduce this today. And we'll pick up in the next few weeks. We'll see how the Holy Spirit wants to unpack this. As you're turning there, let me ask you a couple of, I, I don't know how you came to know God. I don't know what introduced you to God, whether it was circumstances that you were just in a dark place and you finally said, I've tried everything else and God, I need help. That's a really good prayer. I tell people who are unbelieving, if you don't, believe there's a God, just ask Him to reveal Himself. I, I promise you, say, God, if you're real, show me. Just buckle up. And so, one of the things we're going to read from Paul as he writes to the church in Rome, that if you have seen the creation, you're without excuse. Now, who hasn't seen the creation? Hello, <laughs> right? Everybody, see, look at the sunset, go to the beach, when my four children were born, I also had the privilege of watching some of my grandchildren be born. And when you look, it's like, okay, if you don't believe God, there's something wrong. So let's, let's, let's focus in. You could take any one of these, but I want to focus in on the amazing human body. Oftentimes we just forget how amazing we are. Listen to some of these facts about the human body. First of all, your DNA, how does a, a, an egg fertilized by a sperm contain all of the blueprint to be able to create a child with all of its fantastic features? How, how, how does it know that? I mean, come, well, the Bible says we're created in his image, right? Well, here, listen to some of these other facts that if you don't believe that your God created everything and created you, your heart beats 100,000 times per day. For how many years? 
They can't tell you. The cardiologist cannot tell you where the electric signal comes from that causes your heart to beat. We know where it comes from. They can't. You go out, go find a cardiologist, and you ask him, so where's the electric signal comes that causes this thing to beat like that? And they'll say, well, we don't really know. It happens around this time. Yeah. Your, your heart pumps 2,000 gallons of blood every day. 2,000 gallons. Your kidneys receive the greatest flow of that blood. You have over 2,000 taste buds, unless you've been hit by COVID. <laughs> and we bring it back now in Jesus' name, right? You have over 600 muscles in your body. Some of us have more than others. Right, right, Corey? <laughs> Woo-hoo. There are, now this may freak you out, your skin has a thousand different bacteria on the outer layers. Like, oh my, I'm going to go wash. <laughs> Actually, you probably need that, by the way. I'll just let you know. Um, and you know that your outer layer of your skin is renewed every 28 days. Now, how does it know to do that? Your genes, by the way, your genes favor your dad over the generations. Multiple generations. That may be something why when we read in Exodus 34 and Exodus 20, it says, the sins of the father shall visit to the third and fourth generation, or they will visit or have an effect upon the third and fourth generation. But those who love me, those who hate me, but those who love me, I will bless to a thousand generations. Infants, they're born with over 300 bones, and as they grow, these bones fuse together. Your skull has 29 different bones in, its he- in your head. Did you know that? That's why they call me a bonehead sometimes. <laughs> I've been called that. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. The average head has over 100,000 hairs. Now, some of you, <laughs> they make up all these rules about, well, you know, the, the bald head is beautiful. No, it's, it, whatever. Okay. The, 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 here's a weird one. I asked the Lord about this. I haven't gotten an answer. Your belly button has special hairs in it to catch lint. I'm just reporting facts. Okay. The smallest bone in your body is in your ear, and it vibrates to pick up sound. How, right now I'm speaking, your ear bone is vibrating, and somehow that's translating to your brain to pick up thought to understand what I'm saying. The human brain has a memory that I'm told that has four terabytes. Now, Carrie could probably tell me what a terabyte is. It sounds awful. But that sounds like a lot. So a terabyte, your brain has four terabytes of memory. A single, listen to this, a single brain generates more electricity impulses in one day than all the telephones combined in the world. When they start understanding the, the brain and how it fires, and right now your, your brain is firing, the snaps of your brain are firing, and there's translation going into your brain to have you understand. I mean, if, 
Every fingerprint is unique. If you can't look at that and say, there's got to be a God, then uh, we need to pray for you. I just, because I could go on. There are so many facts about the creation. So now as we read Romans chapter 1, I think this will start to see and make sense. I want you to see the three categories of people. You'll see those that are biblical believers, which he addresses first. You'll see the humanists who believe in human reasoning. And over their human reasoning over time, if you stay in that place of trying to not acknowledge that God is who he says he is, at some point he removes his hand from you and it says he gives them over to a reprobate mind, a non-regenerative mind. And they become so evil, they invent new ways to become evil and they teach others to become evil. Those are the three categories that you're there. But he also warns, he says, at the end of this thing, depending on which category you're in, will determine your eternity. So let's read it. In Romans chapter 1, I, I love this chapter. It starts out, Paul had never actually made it to Rome at this point. It's not till later when he's martyred that he, he is, he's there. But he wanted to be among them. He had heard about their faith. They were Gentiles. And let's just... Um, Begin in Romans 1 and verse 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, chosen by God as an apostle and sent out to preach the good news. God promised this good news long ago through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. This new, good news, what's the good news? It's about his son, his earthly life. He was born into King David's family line. He was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So there's just a statement of fact from this wise apostle. Here's the facts, guys. I got good news. It's about Jesus. He's given us the privilege now to, to, as apostles to tell the Gentiles and to bring glory to his name. And now you've been included among that. Drop down and look at verse 12. It says, I want to encourage you in your faith. I also want to have you encourage me in mine. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned to come many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now, and I work among you with spiritual fruit, as I have seen among other Gentiles, for I have a great sense of obligation to the people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to educated and the uneducated alike. I'm so eager to come to you in Rome and preach this good news. Verse 16, I am not ashamed of the good news. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and then Gentiles. So here we start with category number one. The good news is Jesus has the power to save us. There's the category number one. It has the power of that good news to save us. It is through faith that a righteous person has life. You might want to underline that, verse 17 there. It is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now he starts to identify the next two categories of people in the earth. God is angry with sin. God has shown his anger from heaven against all sinful and wicked people who suppress the truth 
by their wickedness. See, they know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth, they have seen the sky. Through everything that God's made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power, and His divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. You're without excuse. The day that the unsaved stand before Him, and he says, who are you? I don't, I don't know you. They'll say, but, 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 but. There's no buts. They would know the truth because he's made it obvious and they'll have no excuse. Verse 21. Yes, they knew God. See, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him. Does that sound like pride and arrogance? You know God, but you won't worship Him? You're angry at Him for some reason? They wouldn't worship Him. They wouldn't even give Him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas about what God was like. As a result, their minds, here's the humanism, became dark and confused. They claimed to be wise. They instead became utter fools. You know, this, this whole thing, I mean, you, you really have to be foolish, literally ignorant, to believe this whole evolution theory. Now, I believe there is uh, the survival of the fit. There's, there, there's a part of the Darwinistic things that you can see. It's where the strongest do survive. There was some truth in that. That's what makes it such a powerful lie. But you think about this. How could we come out of this mud as amoeba, right? It's like, well, it took a lot of years. Why does that have anything to do with anything? Take... Um, Take a look at your Corvette. Let's, let's think of Brenton's Corvette. You ever see Brenton's Corvette? Yeah. He even lets his wife drive it. What a, what a godly man. I saw her drive. <laughs> wow. Think of that Corvette. Now, to look at the Corvette and say, man, that's an amazing evolution of how it just kind of, you know, the, 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 the Ford 150 evolved into becoming this Corvette. Or let, let, better yet, it started with a piece of metal in the ground as iron ore, and over time, it became the Corvette. How, how, come on, how stupid is that? Are you, are you with me? Am, am I making any, am, come, right? That is just plum foolishness. It's just plum foolishness. So this, and um, unfortunately, it's being trained and taught in our schools. It's humanism. They thought they were wise, they actually became utter fools. Now, what happens with that? Verse 23, instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols, humanism, man, birds, animals. So what does God do with that? When you reject God enough, verse 24, God abandons them to whatever shameful things that are in their hearts, what's in their hearts. But here's the result of that. The result is, they did vile things. They did degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and they served the things that God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. What does God do? Second time, that is why God abandoned them to shameful desires. 
Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, they burned in lust for each other. These men did shameful things with other men, and the result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. I'm just reading the Scriptures, so don't get mad at me. Since they thought it's foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. Sin. Now look at the progression. Sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deceptions, malicious behaviors, gossip, backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. When, when God lets go, there is no extent to this evil. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. They're heartless and they have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Talk about a reprobate mind. Worse yet, they encourage others to do it. Now, in case any of us are sitting there saying, boy, I'm so glad I'm not like those sinners. He starts in chapter 2. Now, you may think to condemn these people, but you're no better. <laughs> sin is sin, right? So the, the amazing part of what God does for us is we have a Redeemer who declares us not guilty. Can I get an amen on that? All right, so I want to have you turn to the outline. I want you to see in the build-up to this, and I love that Richard opened the service with John 10. My sheep know my voice. I know them, and they know me. He says it multiple times. I know you. I know my sheep. You know, Juan and Laura, they got all these animals out there. They got this longhorns. They got this. They got this cow. They, got, they know all of them. They got names for them. Lola's in the barn right now. And I'm like, I can't even remember their names, right? Can you imagine that God knows you by name? So look at the outline. Before I formed you, I knew you. Before God fashioned you, He knew you. Let that go, take that from your brain and move it down into here. Get it right, right here. I knew you. I knew you. I knew you. Like, you know me? Some of us want to go hide. <laughs> Don't. Look at the next verse. David writes this. You made all my delicate inward parts of my body. I just listed them. Do you know that if you were to take your blood vessels and stretch them out, it would go around the world 60,000 miles. 60,000 miles, your blood vessels. All the little capillaries, if they were to stretch them out, that pumps that 2,000 gallons of blood throughout your system every day. That heart... It gets its electric signal from God Himself. I know you. 
I know you. I know how you work. I created you in my image. And before I formed you, all the delicate inward parts that were knit together in my mother's womb, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me. He watches you. When you're developing in the womb, he watched you being formed in the utter seclusion as you were woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every day, this day today, there's an entry in his book. In your chapter of his book is this day, the 31st of January, 2021. Your name is in his book that has it recorded. Where were you? What did you do? How did you dedicate? What did you sing? How did you pray? What were your thoughts? He knows you. It's been recorded. Every day was recorded in the book. Every moment laid out in a, before a single day even passed. Just to add a couple other scriptures. You're in God's book. Daniel 7, verse 10. You might want to write that down and go look at it. Daniel 7, verse 10, it says, the books, plural, will be opened. He also says that in Revelation 17, verse 8, and in Revelation 20, verse 12. Daniel 7, 10, Revelation 17, 8, and Revelation 20, verse 12. He says in Revelation, he says, in that day of the judgment, the books will be opened. There's a book of life. He's going to scroll. He'll have... You can imagine sitting in that place. There will be a throne room. There'll be the gathering of the elect. He will open the book of the elect, those who have been born again. And he'll go, I don't know how he does it, by DNA, by souls, I don't know. All I know is he will call out your name. That one's mine. Not guilty, redeemed. Enter into my place. Then he will open up the book of works. And he'll open up the book of the dead. And he will find the dead who will be judged out of that. You never knew me, and I never knew you. Now you enter into the place prepared for the devil and his angels. Scary scripture, but also encouraging. He also says in Ephesians 2.10, we love this one, you're a masterpiece, a workmanship, same word. You are a workmanship created in Christ for the works that he had planned for you long ago, before the foundation of the earth is literally what it means. So he sat down and he said, let me use this guy over here since I love him so much. Yeah. <laughs> he's a masterpiece. Look at him. He's a, he's a masterpiece, this guy. <laughs> right? God sat down and said, I'm going to create this guy in this place in South America, Dominican Republic. Caribbean. Is that okay? Uh, okay? Okay, I'll make it right. <laughs> Created him and knew that he would find his way to Global River. He would be an evangelist in his heart. He would go into the prisons. He'd go into the nations. And I'm telling you, he can lead the podium to Christ. I've seen him. Uh, he's like, you need to get saved. I've seen him collapse. Yes, we were just in uh, 
Costa Rica. And this hard character was there, and the pastor had been praying for years, and, and God set it up. Pastor Willie goes to his house and talks to this police officer. He's still in the church today. An amazing, so God knows your life. He knows the works that he's called you to. And it's only if we will choose by our own free will, if we'll engage with him, he's got really, really good works for us to do. So once we understand, he knows us. So there's nothing hidden from him. He created you and formed you, and he says, I know you. I know you. Your DNA, by the way, we're going to get into this. When you start looking at quantum faith and quantum physics and quantum mechanics, your DNA vibrates at a certain vibration. And that wavelength identifies you uniquely than any other one in creation. And that's why we're going to find out when you pray in faith and you speak to the mountains and it starts to vibrate with the Word of God with this full of living power. That's why mountains have to go into the sea. We're going to, see, we're going to start to unlock quantum faith over the next few weeks as God is like, this. see, the science is starting to figure out words have power. If you were here, you, I'm sorry if you missed it. Jennifer Costa was here, and she talked about the power of the words. If you didn't hear it, you need to get online and listen to it. But there is this thing where the words that are in your mouth are life and death. And you will have what you say. And we're going to start to, once you believe, you can't just say it and name it and claim it. There's something, we'll look at it. Well, let's look at one scripture and then we'll look at with me in Mark's gospel, chapter 10. Mark's gospel 10. You know the one where he curses the fig tree, right? In Mark chapter, well, let's look at Mark 11 first, and then we'll drop back to Mark 10. Look at Mark 11 in verse 12. The next morning as they were leaving, Jesus was hungry, and he noticed a fig tree in full leaf. So he went over there to get some, you ever had a fig, Pastor Willie's got a fig tree in his house. Woo-hoo, when they're ripe, they're awesome. He brings them in. Jesus, he's hungry, he says, I, I want some figs. He goes over there and there's no fruit. And of course, the parable on this one is, you can be all leafy, but if there's no fruit in your life, uh, God's going to dry you up. Hello? I'm just saying. Okay, verse 15. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple because he cursed this fig tree. So he goes and he messes up the temple because they've made a mess out of the, the house of God. It's no longer a house of prayer. So he turns over the tables, and of course, on the way back, the disciples are kind of amazed. Verse 20, the next morning as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots. Peter, you got to love Peter. Peter, remembering what Jesus said, it says, Rabbi, look, look, the fig tree you cursed, it's all withered up and died. Teaching point number one, verse 22. Jesus says to the disciples, have faith, number one, who, in whom? In God. I tell you the truth, speak to it. This thing will be lifted up and thrown into the sea, but you must really believe that it will happen and not doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. Whew. And if you believe that you receive it, it will be yours. 
But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive you also. King James says it this way in verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things soever you desire when you pray, whatever you desire when you pray, believe and receive. It's not just sometimes, I don't know, I'm guilty of this. It's like we were talking about this last night. My wife and I was like, well, it's not just a matter of saying it. You can say it because you, you think it's a good thing to say. It's got to be say it and believe it. Now, how you engage that is what we're going to be challenged over the next few weeks. How do we pray to see the answers, to see mountains move? That's going to be quite, because they're finding out, this is amazing, they're now finding out through, there's a, a very interesting study, it'll, you know, you're going to really think I'm a nerd, but anyway, I'll just do it anyway. There's a new study that they've come out with called Epigenetics and Child Development. And it's how a child experiences and what affects the genes in their early life and the words spoken over them. They're now mapping the brain and the genealogy, the genome, to understand this. Now, God's already figured this out. He already knew. He says, all I want you to do is believe. All he said is, let there be light. (laughs) He didn't have any doubt in his heart. And guess what? The universe is still expanding at the speed of light. He never called it back. He didn't say, that's enough universe. So, I mean, this God is so big. If you, Anyway, they, they find out now if all these planets that they're finding, we're finding more stars. It's like, how much, how much sky do you need, God? I mean, but we're going to find out that faith and how we operate in it as believers, we're going to, I believe the reason this is happening now, he doesn't do anything by mistake because in the days ahead, the faith that's going to be required in the believing set of people that are on the earth is going to have to be different than it was 100 years ago. There's been glimpses of this over time of people that operate in these amazing gifts. But I believe this coming for a larger group of people. All right, I've wanna, I want to end here. I know you've been patient. So let's stand. You pray that over the next few weeks we unpack this thing. It'll be an impartation of that faith in such a way that God is able to move among us, and we see such miracles, but in all of it, he gets the glory. Remember, they forgot to give him the glory. We're not going to forget, please, Lord. We understand no matter what happens, it has nothing. The other day, the revelation as I was starting to, the, the Holy Spirit just downloaded, he said, I was kind of thanking God for so much blessing. God, I said, is that because we're tithers? You said you'd rebuke the devourer and you'd pour out a blessing. We couldn't contain it. Well, that might be it. But it's the goodness of God. It's, and if you, whatever you've accomplished, whatever you think you've accomplished, it's because I knew you, I formed you, and I designed you for these good works. So you can't take credit for it. You can just celebrate the creator of all things. So, Lord, I pray right now for all your people. Lord, I thank you this morning. We thank you for the worship, the time together, to bringing our two congregations together to worship you in spirit and truth. Thank you for the children that you gave us. I pray for these parents and our extended family, our leadership. God, I pray now, Father, that you would make your face to shine upon us and give us peace. I bless each one here, all the loved ones. If there's any here this morning 
our ministry team would come. I want to make sure everybody's in category number one, Bible believers. If you're not, please come. Come see any one of our ministry team. Please join us in cafe. We have a cake for Nicole saying thank you, welcoming Richard. We have a cake for all of the baby dedicators, some coffee, and there's lots of other things out there. The fast is over so you can celebrate. Amen. All right, God bless you all. Have a great week. Don't forget, Monday night, men and women's group. Wednesday night, Jennifer will be back. Thursday, House of Mercy. Praise God, all of y'all.